habaris la subuhi, umeam kaje, jinalangu ni Lydia, na huyu ni Erika. January hi, tuli safiri Tanzania katika Afrika mashariki, na Ryan Adana Sensenig, na watoto wao Isaac Namara. Good morning. I am Erika, and this is Lydia. This past spring, our SST unit went to Tanzania and Eastern Africa with Ryan and Donna Sensenig and their children, Isaac and Mara. Mwanzoni wakati wetu katika Tanzania, tuliishi na familia na tulisoma katika mji mku wa Dar es Salaam kwa wiki tano. Halafu tulisafiri kaskazini kwa wiki moja. Tulienda kuka katika Mara kwa wiki tano kufanya kazi vijijini na mjini. For the first five weeks, we lived in host families and studied in the coastal city of Dar es Salaam. In between study and service, we took one week to travel north, going through game reserves and national parks before reaching the Mara region. There, we split up into smaller groups to live and serve in various assignments in the area around Lake Victoria. Hadi mwisho wakati wetu katika Tanzania, tulipumzika kwa wiki katika Zanzibar. Tunataka kukuambia kuhusu habari zetu ya Tanzania leo. The last week, we gathered again in Zanzibar, the coastal island off of Tanzania, for rest and debriefing before returning to the U.S. Today, we hope to give you a little taste of our experience and our culture of Tanzania. Ninafikiri Mze Johnson ataanza. Respected old man Johnson will begin. Wana Yesu asafiwe. My name's uh, Johnson, I guess. They called me Johnson sometimes in Tanzania. But my real name is Jay. Um, I'm going to be talking about transportation in Tanzania. Well, in Dar es Salaam, particularly. Um, in Dar, there are lots of choices of getting yourself around your city. If you enjoyed talk, if you did not enjoy, sorry, talking Swahili or depending on that, to get yourself around, you walk. Um, and you have to beware when you're crossing the street um, for in, even in standing traffic because the motorcycles would zoom in and around and I almost got hit a few times. Um, yeah, if you're a little ambitious or you're running late maybe, you could ask a bajaji, which is a three, sort of like a, a three-wheeler, I guess you could say. Um, or a motorcycle to take you. These will get you there the fastest. But the cheapest and most popular way of traveling around was the Dala Dala, or the small buses. These were cheap, about, about 20 cents, but they were cheap for a reason. About 30 seats once I counted, um, and there were probably about 60 or 70 people in this bus. As you can see, it was pretty cozy, even in 90 degree weather. Um, if you're lucky and you got a seat, you were most likely um, to be handed a baby, um, a stranger's baby, or a bag or something. Um, and then to get off, you had to yell shusha, or stop, to get off, and make your way through the crowd to the front. Sometimes you missed your stop because of this. Um, there's a technique for getting on the bus in a crowd, as Teo will demonstrate. You had to place your, uh, both hands on the side so you don't allow anyone to get through the gate. Um, and then set one foot on the step and pull up. And if you aren't totally in, that's fine. Just make sure you aren't um, dangling any jewelry out or getting hit by passing cars. Um, 
They told us not to wear dangly earrings so that no one would rip them off as you were driving by. But it was fun. <laughs> um, yeah, walls by... Miss, uh, yeah, I miss this close and temporary community, and I've met some fun people and had lots of thinking time on my two-hour commute each day into the class. And of course, there's always that deeply satisfying feeling when the bus goes silent after you yell at the conductor in Swahili for missing your stop. Mzungu anajua Kiswahili sana. That white guy really knows his Swahili. Habariako. That's where you say nzuri, or great, or good. Um, my name's Indy, and I'm going to talk a little bit about the food we had in Tanzania. Uh, it was a pleasant surprise to find that I really did generally like the food, which is great considering I would find myself eating a ton of it over my stay there. So throughout both study and service terms, wali na maharage, which is rice and beans, was my favorite kind of staple food. Uh, we got that as much as we could, both in dar and on service. Um, another common Tanzanian meal would often include ugali, which is an interesting substance. It's basically made from uh, cornmeal, and it kind of has the consistency of Play-Doh, I suppose. But it's often eaten with meat or veggie, which are commonly goat, chicken, uh, fish, daga, which is whole tiny dried fish. They're about this big and they're kind of crunchy. And then also cassava leaves or mchichi, which is kind of a spinach, uh, which would be cooked in usually oil. They cooked a lot of their vegetables in oil, which tasted good, but wasn't so great in terms of getting your nutrition, I suppose. Uh, we were also surprised to find how much we liked ndizi, which is banana, but they would cook the bananas, um, and they'd kind of turn out like a sweetened potato consistency. Uh, we also enjoyed eating many fresh fruits. Uh, my favorite was the finger banana. Their banana's about this big and tastes more like a banana than anything we have here. I ate that a lot on service. And in Dar es Salaam, we enjoyed uh, fresh mangoes, uh, the most amazing pineapple I've ever had, and also passion fruit, as well as some baked goods that were common, which is chapati, uh, it's kind of like a fried pancake, and then mandazi, samosas, and chipsy mayai, which is basically French fries cooked in um, eggs. That was a favorite. We also drank a lot of chai and coffee, and Fanta were common drinks. Um, bitter lemon and tangawizi were two sodas that I think a lot of us found to be our choice for refreshments. Um, and then there was also a thick, uh, hot porridge that was made. Um, and that one we weren't quite as excited for. It could contain just about anything in it um, and had kind of a weird consistency. Um, some stories that we had about food, uh, much like the Mennonite tradition here in Tanzania, it's common to have uh, food at any sort of social gathering or celebration. And food was offered as a way um, to celebrate and to kind of thank you for being there and you were often obliged to eat it, no matter what it was or how much they offered. Uh, one time I was, when I was on service, I experienced an interesting meal when I went with my family to a meeting after a funeral. And though it was sad, the occasion required a kind, the kind of hospitality that um, called for cooking a freshly slaughtered goat. I was fortunate enough to arrive there just in time to be invited into a tiny little hut to bear witness um, on the things it took to turn a goat into a meal. And they definitely didn't leave anything to question or anything spared. Um, they were very creative in turning 
intestines into broth, and I was fascinated by the chewy, planty texture of the stomach, and how I was surprised at how good um, grilled liver can actually be. And that, was, that meal was also accompanied by the traditional ugali and porridge. Um, another weekend on service, a group of us went to visit Alan and Matt at their service location, and to make us feel welcome, they decided to cook a meal for us. Uh, so we helped by bargaining for some two big roosters in town and helped learn how to make pilau and the vegetables for the meal. Um, and then it was time to prepare, prepare the two very still alive roosters. Um, we went outside and decided that Carla and Laura would be the ones to do the dirty deed because Laura was a vegetarian and we thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> and Carla just really wanted to. <laughs> So they went ahead and got it over with, and it took a little bit longer than it probably should have, and the family thought it was just hilarious. Um, so then Leah and I went and used um, our two hands to pluck the roosters and prepare it for the meal, which we all really enjoyed, and it was really cool to see the kind of work and time that went into preparing a nice meal like that. We really appreciated it. Hi, I'm Ted Most. I'm Meg Suter. Um, while we had heard, as you all have, that one of the greatest gifts you receive on SST is the gift of hospitality. One marker of this was on the first day of arriving in Kimgesi, we were both given names in the local language, Gaybani and Inchota. We didn't fully appreciate the degree to which we had been welcomed as part of our village until the last day of service. With an early morning departure set for the next day, we knew that we had to say our goodbyes before sundown, since we didn't have power and we were rarely out after dark. So we started with returning to the school that we had taught at and took pictures with many of the students. When will you come back, they asked. Then we, had, then we made our way to the home of the man from whom we bought milk and who had adopted me as his child. When will you come back, he wanted to know. After lunch with my family, Ted gave the small gifts he had for them and my host's mom started crying. Leaving that moving site, Ted and I continued visiting people that we knew, accepting tons of biscuits and Coke, and often facing the same question, when will you come back? And then we passed an open lot where people were seated on the ground around a few chairs. It was a village meeting, and we'd been to one before. I really wanted to say goodbye to one of the village politicians, but I couldn't do so without interrupting the meeting. But as the sun was beginning to set, I decided it was better to interrupt than to not say goodbye. Um, I, so I slowly walked up, joining the meeting. Meg was right behind me. My friend, the politician, waved me forward and kind of, with an other hand, kind of put the meeting on hold. Uh, I, I stood up and said, uh, we are leaving tomorrow, but we wanted to say goodbye and thank you all very much for welcoming us here. It's been our home and we will remember it. And we'll take your greetings back home. So to fulfill that promise, um, so the people of Kamgesi greet all of you. Um, at this, when, when, I, when I said we would greet all of you for them, uh, the seated crowd clapped and waved and laughed and kind of made a, a cacophonous so, uh, sound. Uh, we, we rushed around some more, saying goodbye, giving and receiving gifts. Just as the sun went down, I finally found my brothers and my host mother. Uh, they had been you know, busy doing the everyday tasks and we hadn't been able to find them earlier. And so I gave them some presents as Meg snapped some photos, you know, just as it got dark. 
Um, I walked Meg home, but I had to leave her house really quickly because uh, her mom started crying, and I just couldn't uh, control myself. And so I, I was like, uh, I have to leave. And I uh, walked back to my house and just like sobbed. But I was really glad it was dark, so nobody could see me. Um, I, got, I got home and, and sat in like kind of as close to silence as we ever got at supper with my host brothers. And then we, we finished, and there was kind of a pause, and they said, you were tired, you should go to bed. <laughs> so I did. Um, the next morning, as we boarded the bus and the sun kind of rose as we were getting on the bus, um, we, you know, we say goodbye to our families. They're all, you know, smiling and happy, but my, my one host brother, um, very stoic, and, and just one tear <laughs> crept down his cheek. It was rough. Uh, and so we, we climb on the bus, and me and Meg are sitting there, and we're just like wishing there wasn't a window right beside us, because we just lost it <laughs> for a long time. And then we got down the road, and Meg says, I put my t-shirt on backwards. <laughs> and we're, we, we, we laughed a lot, but then we cried again. So um, we were just terribly sad to leave the home that we had had for five weeks. Um, and I think that feeling that we really belonged there is really the definition of hospitality. Thanks. I'm Allison Reist. And I'm Emily Bowman. And one place we also experienced incredible hospitality was in the church. The Tanzanian SST is unique in that we have formed a partnership with the local Mennonite church in Tanzania. Upanga, Mennonite, and Dar es Salaam um, served as our gracious host. It was kind of our home base in a way. Every morning we met to eat and to converse and where we had our Kiswahili classes. Um, I would say about two-thirds of our students were hosted by members from that congregation and attended regularly on Sunday mornings. Likewise, the majority of our connections for service, placements, and families were made through the broader Mennonite church in the Mara region. We were again graciously hosted, this time by the Nyabange Theological College and the nearby regional Mennonite headquarters, which served as our jumping off and return point for service. Wherever we went, we were welcomed in community with local Mennonites, instantly accepted and loved as brothers and sisters, friends and children. That cohesive connection to the Mennonite Church provided a sense of continuity and familiarity in our experiences both as a unit there and crossing the borders of home and this new place. In many ways, a typical Sunday morning included all that you might expect, a message, songs, and sharing. But perhaps it was the gusto of every church choir singing and dancing, or the fluid structure where people came and went as needed, or the occasional six-hour celebration service for a retiring pastor that might tip you off that something slightly unfamiliar was occurring. One thing that, pers that I personally appreciated was the time of offering. It was not focused on the gift or the giver, but on the act of giving. And of course, you don't just pass the plate, but you file to the front row by row, dancing to give what you have. And if you have forgotten your offering that day, a neighbor will likely slip you a few shillings. What a joyous celebration and spiritual discipline it was. I believe we all experienced the Midnight Church at times looking and acting in ways that did not match our own understandings of what it means to be a Mennonite. These differences guided us to search and determine what we valued in our religion, our religious identity, but to also ask the question, who can ever determine what is right or wrong or better in that regard? 
So more than anything, we give thanks and remember our connections to a much larger and diverse church body. I became involved in the Tanzanian Mennonite Church when I spontaneously joined the church choir on my first day of service. Somehow, I ended up following my host sister to a practice and immediately loved the community that invited me in. Kwaya Upendo was a group of 20 to 30 of us that met every day for about four hours in a dusty yard with huge speakers, an electric keyboard, and a few wandering goats. By my second day, I was learning choreography. By my fourth, I was being spontaneously asked to sing solos during rehearsals. And on my fifth day, I joined the choir for their Sunday service, though I only actually knew one of the songs that we performed and the other five I spent faking and attempting to follow along in the back row. Though language and cultural differences sometimes became a barrier, it was just so much fun that I stayed with them for the whole five weeks of service, through a six and a half hour Sunday service that Allison was talking about, through funerals, long meetings, uniform fittings, monsoon rainstorms, and lots of laughter. The, com the community took me in and gave me grace when I unknowingly danced indecently. They taught me lots of Swahili, they forgave my odd American habits and protected me from marriage proposals from other congregants. <laughs> they even gave me a Swahili name, Wakuru, meaning tortoise. <laughs> my memory of the Mennonite church in Tanzania is not from sitting in the pews. It's instead from playing Celine Dion duets on a keyboard or walking together into town to drink fresh squeezed avocado juice. The choir truly became my family, and I am thankful for what they taught me about valuing community over work, about valuing quality over time, seeking excellence through hardship, and praising God with your whole self no matter what. And if you want to learn some of the dance moves, I can show you later, but I don't think we have time now. And now Johnson is going to lead us in a song. Yeah, um, I'm still jealous of Emily for getting to do all that, but I'm going to teach you guys a song um, that we learned as a group. It's pretty short, um, and I'd love it if you joined along. So I'm going to sing phrase, and if you could repeat it after me. If you don't get the words, that's fine. Um, we're all going to stand up. Simameni, tafadali. Stand up, please. It goes like this. Please repeat after me. Yesu ninakupenda, Yesu ninakupenda, wewe rafiki yangu, wewe rafiki yangu, nita kutumikia, nita kutumikia, katika maisha yangu, katika maisha yangu. And the translation for that is, Jesus, I love you. You are my friend. I will serve you always throughout my life. So let's, we'll sing it through three times all together and you can party. Ready? And. Yesu nina kupenda, wewe rafiki yangu, nita kutumikia, katika maisha yangu. Yesu, Yesu nina kupenda, wewe Yeah. 
thank you. You can sit down. Mambo. <laughs> my name is Arielle Rapp. And my name is Kaylee Evans. And today we're going to share with you a little bit about some of the trips that we went on while we were in Tanzania. One of the first group trips we took during SST was to a little ancient town by the name of Bagamoyo. Um, we were all excited to get away from the noise and chaos of Dar es Salaam and spend a weekend recharging and exploring the history of Bagamoyo. The word Bagamoyo itself uh, roughly translates into lay down your heart and it's probably related to the town's history as once being the hub of the East African slave trade. While there, we visited the ruins of the oldest mosque in East Africa, explored fortresses that were used by the Germans when they colonized Tanzania, and of course, hit the beach on multiple occasions. We also got the opportunity to watch traditional Tanzanian dances at the Bagamoyo College of the Arts, and uh, we were then invited to join in with the dancing. Um, and Ryan, of course, was kind enough to catch it all on tape, although hopefully that's been burned or lost. <laughs> um, overall, the weekend was both fun and educational, but the best trip was yet to come. All right, so uh, the week between our study service time, and we had a once-in-a-lifetime experience exploring the Serengeti National Park and the Ngora Ngora Conservation Area. Uh, the Ngora Ngora Crater is an ancient caldera, meaning it used to be a volcano but erupted and collapsed, creating a vast valley surrounded by mountains. The crater is 20 kilometers by 20 kilometers, and this grassland provides a safe home to a wide variety of species, such as kiboko, pundamilia, simba, and twiga, which means rhino, zebra, lion, and giraffe, respectively. Uh, divided, into, <laughs> divided into land rovers with one driver who was also our tour guide, we were amazed at how many animals we saw on the first day, from wildebeest to rhinos to lions. No humans are allowed to live in the valley of the park. However, only the Maasai tribe are permitted to live on the rim of the crater where they raise cattle. Uh, that night, we camped in tents on the rim of the crater, which honestly was the coldest I ever felt in Tanzania due to its high altitude. Uh, an elephant, or timbo, walked through our campsite literally 10 meters from our dining table, uh, and wild pigs rustled our tents as we tried to sleep through the cold. Uh, our next stop was the Serengeti National Park, which for me was a very amazing and spiritual time being uh, so close to nature and seeing an endless sea of savanna and blue skies. And I'm sure for Lydia, it must have been a very emotional experience as uh, she bawled uh, upon seeing an elephant up close and personal. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, we saw any animal you'd hope to see while on a safari uh, between our total of four trips in the Land Rovers and had the opportunity to actually camp in the Serengeti. Uh, we slept to the sounds of laughing hyenas and woke to the roar of lions. Upon leaving the Serengeti, we took a morning safari and watched the sunrise as well as seeing a couple of uh, 
lion cubs perched on top of a, top of a rock, which was a very Lion King-esque. Um, and um, perhaps one of the more interesting things I learned while uh, traveling through the Serengeti was that uh, hippos are disgusting. Um, I wasn't able to find the video, but I know one of our SSTers um, filmed a clip of a hippo pool where they would come to the top of the water and proceed to go number two while simult simultaneously wagging their tail back very quickly, um, flinging feces all over neighboring hippos and basically anything within a few feet of them, uh, which explains that brown gunk um, that is covering the surface of the water in that photo. Um, so yeah, hippos are just kind of gross, um, no offense. Uh, but back to a more serious note, we learned to value the opportunity to see uh, wildlife in its most natural and undisturbed form, and it was truly the highlight of Tanzania. Hi, I'm Anna Ruth. And I'm David Graber. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about um, issues that we discussed as part of our journaling for um, educational, well, everything's educational, but yeah. anyway. Um, <laughs> during our time on SST, we had many opportunities to examine firsthand the poverty and systemic issues that make life so challenging for the people of Tanzania. Because the environment is so central to many ecological facets, to many of these issues, and because we were traveling with a professor who happens to be somewhat interested in the ecological facet of most topics, we did a lot of reflecting on the way the environment and especially ecotourism play into the current state of Tanzania as well as the lives of people that we met. In 2008, Tanzania was ranked the third poorest country in the world. We certainly saw evidence of this statistic, and we also learned a lot about the influence of tourism and the changing landscape and how those things are turning the economic scene. On service, David and I both lived in extremely tiny villages in which most people make their living off the land. As part of my final project in my home village of Murangi, I spoke with many of my neighbors and my students at school about their educational and employment opportunities. In the interviews with my students, every one of them told me that their parents' main source of income is farming. In Murangi, as well as elsewhere in rural areas of the country, most farmers operate on a small scale, mainly just in order to feed their own families. My family just had two um, pretty small fields surrounding our house, and all 12 of my siblings were involved in the farming work. They cultivate seasonally, and at harvest, the crops are divided into two. The majority is stored for food, and a small percentage is sold. Farmers sell to families who do not have crops of their own, or to merchants who then sell to industries um, in other areas. Generally, generally, farmers are largely self-sufficient in terms of food, but agriculture generates a very small amount of money, and lack of other income or education, educational means to get another job accounts for much of the poverty. However, the fact remains that many people in rural Tanzania remain hugely dependent on the land. As part of our week of travel that Kaylee just talked about between study and service, our group visited Grumeti Resorts, which is a chain of wildly extravagant and expensive tourist destinations in the Serengeti area. Grumeti is the most expensive resort in East Africa, recently ranked one of the top vacation spots in the world. They also try to work a lot with conservation of the land, and we were lucky enough to tour Grumeti's three locations, as well as to engage in conversation about the effects of conservation and ecotourism on the landscape and people of Tanzania. So after our week of vacation, when everyone else had to leave the Serengeti and go off to their various service locations, Jay Mast, Erica Grass, and I were lucky enough to be able to stay inside of the Serengeti political district and do our service there. The village that we stayed at was called Nata, and it was actually just a couple miles down the road from this tourist location that Anna was talking about, Grimetti, which is the highest end tourist destination in East Africa. 
Uh, maybe to give you a little idea, the cheapest lodge they had there was $1,000 a night per person. And so, as you can imagine, um, us coming from a third world country, or from a first world country, going to live in Tanzania and living with host families in the village where we had variable supplies of electricity, of uh, running water, and then thinking that just a few miles down the road there were foreigners coming and spending upwards of $1,000 a night per person. It was, it, it was a difficult reality for us to face. And so one effect that Grimetti has had on Nata is in relation to the land use. Um, as Anna said, in Morangi, most of the people there were farmers. And it just so happens that in Nata, most of the people there historically have been hunters. And that's how they gain their living off of the land. But um, recently, within the last 10 to 15 years, the land surrounding Nata was changed into a, um, into a conservation area, a game reserve to be exact. And then eventually, um, the owner of Grimetti Reserves bought the land or bought up all the hunting licenses there in return for um, just uh, use of the land. And so now, what would have been hunting for uh, families in Nata is now considered poaching, and they can be taken to jail for it. But another facet of Grimetti's, uh, Grimetti's tourist operation is they have a nonprofit subsidiary called Grimetti Fund, which I um, did my final project on. And one of the things that Grimetti Fund does is Whenever they catch poachers on Grimetti's land, instead of sending them to jail, they actually hire them and turn them into an anti-poaching force. So they're the ones, the people who were poachers are the ones that are now policing for other poachers. And so instead of just removing people from the area and sending them to jail or punishing them, they're actually giving them employment opportunities. Um, there were a bunch of different ways that Grimetti Fund was helping the area around um, the Serengeti district. A couple other things that they were doing were they were trying to buy locally sourced food for all their employees and hopefully for some of the guests too. And I was lucky enough in my service job to um, work under the, the man who ran Gomakos, which is an agricultural cooperative. So with, with a few of those things and also other conservation um, projects such as beekeeping, Grimetti Fund has been an example shown to us about what high-end tourism operations, how they can pay back the community. Uh, as an environmental student, environmental science student, I recognize the benefit of conservation and of land conservation, but it should also be said that I understand the benefit of conserving culture and conserving tradition. And I think that with how much globalization is going on right now, it's difficult for us as Americans to think of the things, or the, the stark differences between some of these tourist locations and between the actual realities that, that natives are living. But I think that uh, the Grimetti Fund is inspiring evidence of efforts that are being made to enrich the lives of Tanzanians um, amidst a changing environmental uh, context. Hi, I'm Annika Miller. Um, for service, many of us had the opportunity to work with schools. As Anna said earlier, she and I were both in Morangi. Um, it was a, just a small village, and together we taught English to Form 1 students uh, who were anywhere between 14 and 18 years old. We had two classes total, and each had about 50 students in them. The school didn't have te textbooks, 
So the regular English teacher translated some for us so the students could completely understand what we were asking of them. Uh, our last week of teaching, Anna got sick and wasn't able to teach for a few days. The first day she was gone, it was raining. And this is important because on rainy days, not many students or teachers would come because the ground would become too muddy to walk up the hill to school. Luckily, both of our families lived close enough to the school that we were still able to go on rainy days. But on this particular day, Anna wasn't there, and our cooperating teacher hadn't come either. So I was pretty nervous to teach by myself. Um, but it was really exciting to see how much the students were learning, how much my Swahili was improving, and how their love of learning and the relationship we had created with them gave them the patience to bear with me. Also towards the end of um, our time there, we started playing more games with the classes. We found that they remembered lessons more if we turned them into games. Not only did they learn more then, but we also became closer with our students. And in the end, that was what was most important to us, was the relationships we made with our students and with our community. We are now going to have a slideshow for you, so we'll play that. I'm 
We just want to thank um, Ryan and Donna, our leaders, for um, taking us on this experience. And I think we all felt like we could not have possibly had better leaders with us. And so we're really thankful for that. And we also just want to thank you all for coming. So thanks. thanks. Bye. You're dismissed. Why do I come up here? <laughs>